0: Welcome, everyone, to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I am Paul Nefer, your host, and today we're actually going to have a conversation with uh, one of the uh, candidates for the Top Producer of the Year that will be held. essentially on January, around January 24th, I think is the Tuesday, January 24th, I think is when we crown the um, top producer of the year candidate. And that's Greg Mose from South Dakota. Greg, how are things going?
1: Well, we're it's winter in South Dakota, so we're uh, enjoying uh, uh, looking uh, from outside or inside to outside right now.
0: <laughs> so actually, is it is it very cold right now or I know it has been cold certainly it was cold a few weeks ago I know that but what's what's the temperature like right now?
1: Uh, we're about 17 with little snow flurries and in, uh, in South Dakota with wind blowing and yeah so it's just normal winter uh, I, was gonna,
0: I was gonna say that sounds like a balmy day in South Dakota during the winter time.
1: Yes, yeah that's why we live here because we like yeah. the the snow and the change.
0: okay. Well, you always uh, lead off these um, conversations with sort of your background. Why don't you share education, whether you grew up on a farm, i assume you did, but uh, let's just go through your background.
1: Yeah, my background is uh, one of uh, 11 11 children in our family was uh, the German Catholic family. We grew up on the farm here and uh, yeah, we started out in a little, uh, They were two line shacks that were moved together when my uh, uh, great grandparents uh, settled on the farm back in 1884. So we're approaching 130 years since they moved up here. uh, They started out from Germany and uh, landed in Rochester for a while and and that's how they moved here. Uh, My background is I'm the third oldest of of the 11, Uh, two sisters older than I am and uh, We uh, grew up and went to the local country school here, went into the big town of Watertown with about uh, seven or 8,000 people at that time and and, uh, graduated from high school in there. From there, uh, uh, I left the farm for a short time and and started a construction business uh, going around the three state area, putting up uh, steel structures for farms and things. And after a while, when the family started coming, uh, we started, decided to uh, come back and we did some construction business in, in Watertown here, the town, and then uh, it opened up. Uh, uh, my dad was uh, needing some help on the farm, so we started back out here, and and that was back in the 74, and since then, we've been here and, and working with the farm. Uh, when we moved back to the farm, uh, pretty much we were milking about two different Barn, two different barns, we were milking about 100 cows. Mm. Uh, we decided in 76 to move up and to go to a parlor. And from then it was uh, about 150 cows and, and we've grown up to what we are now, over 2,600 as a family operation.
0: I'm, I'm sort of curious, cause I went to a country grade school. Um, I'm just curious, how how big was your country grade school?
1: Well, they had uh, six grades in there and, and we were, it was probably about 30 to 35 of us in that little country school.
0: Were they all in one room or did you have broken into various rooms?
1: No, nope, no, nope, we were all one room with uh, the whole nine yards of pot-bellied stove and no indoor plumbing at that time yet till we got further along. And, and when we actually went, uh, 6th grades in the country school and when the, there was a Catholic school, we got to go to the Catholic school where it had indoor plumbing and everything else then, too.
0: Well, because yeah, our grade school, first and second grade was the one classroom. There was only six kids in my, in my grade all the way through sixth grade, um, but we had indoor plumbing, so I will admit that we actually had indoor plumbing, so that's good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, but, the the neat thing about, you know, the country school it was in the little town of Kranzberg here, but uh back then, uh, you know, everybody was related. It was yeah. cousins and everything else, you know. Uh, my, like my dad said, uh, back then when everybody was back in early time, uh, you never went any further than what the horse would go on a day. So that's mm-hmm. how we got all related.
0: Yeah, well, and that's like uh, my mother, she was the, uh, so, similar to you, she was the oldest at 12 uh, in a Norwegian mm-hmm. Lutheran family. Yeah. And she graduated from Hay, Washington, High school, three kids in her class, and the other two were boys, and they were related to her. So I, 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 I know exactly what you're talking about. So yeah, yeah
1: that's here. Oh, well, well, we went to the high school. We did get up, and there was 300 in our graduating class. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was about 450, I think, in mine. So, sure. uh, um, but uh, so the go ahead.
1: Pretty much similar through the background to anybody that's been around for. Uh, over a hundred years for families, anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you're you're farming about 2,500, 2,600 cows right now. Uh, what what is the structure of your farm as far as? Do you also raise some crops? Um, uh, who's involved in the farm operation as far as ownership and management and so
1: on? Well, the you know right now we're milking around that twenty six hundred cows. Uh, we farm probably. Uh, close to 5,000 acres right now, uh, through rented and what owned and things here. Uh, it's right now, the, and we still, we a year or so ago, we built a facility to house our heifers, uh, all of our uh, young animals uh, on a, a site away from here. Uh, and the reason we uh, started some of that with, uh, on that side of it is we started our beef operation uh, probably is getting to be the same size as our uh, dairy operation because of uh, not needing all the replacements and everything. So uh, so it's grown uh, sideways, I guess you could say. Uh, cropping, our cropping uh, is pretty much corn and alfalfa. Uh, we just uh, like to produce everything uh, that we can for ourselves on the cropping side. We do try and do some rotation. Crops uh, with some wheat and sorghum and things. Uh, a lot of that revolves around. Uh, uh, we've been double cropping probably for 25 years uh, here. When we needed uh, feed for animals, we and we needed to get rid of manure, so it was always neat to go and put in some winter crops, whether it be winter wheat or triticale or uh, winter rye. Take that off, and then we'd either come in with corn or or a sorghum. So. Uh, the double cropping thing isn't uh, nothing new to us. Uh, pretty much, uh, uh, everybody always used to say when we were doing that, they, they were, we were always greedy. Uh, being in South Dakota, and we were trying to take two crops off the, the soil on every year. But it sure uh, uh, everybody envies our our soil structures around here and everything because we build them up. We've taken yep. really poor land and made made it worth really a lot because of the. Uh, the way we farmed it and the, the soil with the manure uh, applications and how we we treat the land, so it's really changed uh, the structure of when we bought poor land and and brought it up to what everybody really likes it now.
0: Now, on your corn and alfalfa, is that a haylage and and silage, or is it also uh, you know corn for grain and so on?
1: Uh, it's all of it's uh, for silage and uh, now we used to have a few acres of dry corn that we take off, but uh, now with our beef operation, uh, if we have any corn, we take that up as ear leach. Uh, we buy all of our dry needs uh, as far as uh, dry corn and everything. Uh, so, and, and that's what it, we made a move here back uh, three, four months ago for on a dry corn side. We had a company that was a few miles away from us that was fine grinding our corn and they would supply all the corn they'd buy and buy the corn for us and grind it and then we'd uh, bring it up and feed for fine grinding corn for all of our animals and we uh, here a few months ago. uh, That facility came up for sale and and we purchased that so to grind uh, corn uh, for our animals Uh, that facility used to grind uh, uh, was grinding over two and a half million bushels of corn for area dairy farms, fine grinding it, like uh, down in really the, the flower type. So mm. we've gotten that now and so that's uh, something that we'll probably be branching out uh, uh, further as we get, go along with the facility is fully automated and, and everything else. So they can grind corn if they're not even there and it fills, fills bins, everything. So that's part of, uh, why we looked at that, it, and it's a place where there is a lot of uh, dry corn facility, growers there. Right. They have a lot of corn, and up uh, where we live around here, most of our corn goes into the ethanol production or into other livestock production. Down there, there's some pretty good uh, sized farmers that have available a lot of corn, and uh, that's why we looked at that. So you're planning.
0: Uh, so your plan mm-hmm. on that is to both do it, uh, do the grinding for your own needs and also for other for other uh, uh, dairy people and so on. Is that is that the plan?
1: Yes. Yeah, that's what used to be years ago. You just find or just kind of like crack, crack the corn a little bit, but now in order to high-producing cows, they want as fine the ground as we get it. So that's that's another something that we'll be looking at as we go ahead here in the future, looking at see how uh, what direction that goes on it too. Um, Right now, we have about uh, uh, 40 40 families, I guess we we work as well. I like to call them families because uh, they're not just workers here anymore because uh, when I can say families, they're their brothers and sisters and cousins and uncles and and kids and and their wives. Uh, I mean, everybody's involved in this operation. The people that have come in into our operation, uh, that's what we like to say our operation is kind of unique uh, that way because there is so many families involved and it's just not the husband coming to work here. It's their their wives or their their kids have a place here that they can come and work and, and help us all out and grow uh, all the way.
0: And and I think speaking of that, my memory is, haven't you purchased quite a few homes for the families or helped them out that way? I, I, at least, yeah. was that my memory? I'm just trying to think on yes. that.
1: Yes. You know, that's that's kind of the the thing about when you want somebody to you know we all have homes and in order for people to to have a nice place to live and everything else, we help them you know purchase uh, purchase the homes and we help fix them up. We have make sure they stay in good condition for the ones that we rent to them and everything else. But I mean that's uh, the the just of everything on the farm. If, if we can't do things right for uh, the same as standard as we are, then why, why should anybody else live in a cardboard box? Yeah, uh, uh, there, the whole thing makes it uh, the operation go. Uh, you know, our management is right now uh, myself and, and my brother Jim, and and uh, my son Jacob. Uh, the management side of it, Jim takes care of the cropping and equipment and you know everything that uh, revolves around outside of the. The dairy barns, you know, from keeping track of the equipment and, and lining up uh, custom operators for for harvesting and, and uh, manure pumping. Uh, we have a kind of a real nice setting here. We have uh, some uh, a farm that's close to us here and we rotate. We trade not so much trade as we go in and uh, we need some extra acres for silage or alfalfa. And they want rotation, so they tell us which acres we can put manure on, and we go and and uh, put manure on, and we take the corn off, and then we we plant and and uh, harvest the alfalfa off. That way, they have a rotation. It's other than corn and beans, and they really enjoy that that they have a uh, a place where they can get manure on and everything. So we've been doing that for uh, well over ten years with them. So it's it's a good partnership with us because it's close to the farm here and. Uh, as far as manure handling and everything. Uh, okay, so my brother Jim takes care of all that. Uh, my son Jake, uh, he takes care of the, the dairy barn, everything in the barn and, and everything else. And then with the new heifer facility, he, he takes care of that. Uh, the heifer facility is pretty much all automated, uh, which takes, uh, different, uh, this, to, to manage that because everything is on their phones now from, uh, alley scrapers to manure separators to all the cameras and insight into what's going on in that facility with not having to be right at, at the door every day.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, you know with labor, uh, you whether you're in South Dakota or Colorado or Washington or 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 New Jersey, um, if you're in ag, you have issues with getting enough labor and getting the right labor. So. Uh, I, I think the more that you can automate, probably the better off you
1: are. Yes, that's something, you know, that uh, we pride ourselves on the people that are here. We have longtime people that are uh, our feeder has been here for 35 years. A calf feeder has been for 25 years. We have people here that helped build the dairy 15 years ago. And they're, and they're still here uh, working on the facilities and everything. So uh, just involving family all the way around. Uh, the things we do for everybody here and for ourselves, I think that's what helps us keep keep pretty good people working here. Uh,
0: on your growth, would you say that it was fairly steady growth, or was there some periods where you had a big spurt in growth?
1: Ah, it's steady. Uh, that's the one thing that uh, years ago, when we first came and built the the uh, parlor. Uh, parlor setting up from the it was stanchions before that is that if we kind of we didn't maybe do it exactly right, but we always uh, uh, we went to enough seminars and we had some uh, things and they I said you had to do something different for every five years, and it kind of seemed like we did that from like '76 we built the parlor and '81 we expanded our parlor from a double eight to a double ten, went to grade A milk, we went to automation. We went to uh, RFID or tags on the cows so we could record milk weights. Um, in that time, around in the 80s, we went to computer things as far as uh, milk weights and and uh, information on keeping track of records and uh, everything else. So about every five years, we, there was some some type of growth. You know, in, in, uh, in 2000, Eight is when we did the big growth of building. We did the expansion of our from about 300 cows at that time in the, the old farm and freestalls up to what we took the plunge to go to 2000. Uh, you know, and that's that was a big step to take then. And it just seemed like everything just if you if we're in that mode and you always want to look at something and you have the right people in place, it seemed like it just kind of flows together.
0: It's sort of like, if you build it, they will come.
1: Yes, pretty much. Yeah, that's what had happened. You know, when before this, uh, the, the, our growth before we built in 2008, we were actually had a uh, a trucking business under under our farm and we had a uh, chopping custom harvesting business. We were making TMRs uh, daily for other, other dairy farms and then hauling and delivering there. And so we made this decision that we had to do something. And so in 2007, we went and got a permit. And and uh, and at that time, <clears throat> that's uh, at that time when we were building this area, my brother Jim had a, a daughter in the facility, and then I had a, another son. My son Scott was in the facility. Or they helped us build this facility. And and as of right now, well, neither one of both of them have passed now. So. Um, Yeah, it was, uh, um, that's why we've looked back at uh, the families that we have here. We've lost some family and we need to have, rely on other families to be here.
0: What, uh, who, who is your primary customer for your milk?
1: Uh, It all goes to uh, a Valley Queen, it's a cheese factory. It's a, it's a private local company that's uh, about uh, 25 miles away. Uh, We've been selling to them uh, more than 60 some years already so they're, uh, they're kind of a trendsetter uh, in our part of the world here. Uh, they've always uh, set the bar for, for the co-ops and everybody else that's been in in business to buy milk and in mm-hmm. fact uh, right now they're in expansion. They're going to almost double milk uh, processing here by uh, 2025. They've actually started in building that in 2025. They're they're going to double their milk uh, processing capacity. So we have a really good area in the I-29 corridor right now for the growth of the milk market and the dairy farms and everything else. Uh, we always uh, kind of say that, you know, when everybody uh, immigrated here, uh, it was it was people that immigrated because it was like they were living in there. Plus they were farming and they had dairy cows and everything else and uh, everybody settled here and in the midwest it's kind of unique because we know how to make the the milk we know how to make the cheese and we've been doing it for years sending the the processed products out where each one of the coasts they've been kind of landlocked or how they handle stuff they have to reinvent it all the time we're here in the midwest we can make the the milk and make the cheese and we've been doing this for a long time so uh, we know how to get it done and I think that's why we're get, seeing migration back uh, to the dairy farms in the livestock operations in our part of the world.
0: Okay you if you look back on your expansion are there certain things you think you did right or are there certain things you think you did
1: wrong? Oh yeah the things we did right we, we just Kept going, and we're building uh, to uh, embrace the new technology. Uh, you know, with on the cow side and, and animals and people, making sure that we made it. You know, years ago when we had the old freestall barns, it was cold and miserable to take care of cows in the middle of winter and during the summer, it was hot and humid. And uh, so, when we start building new facilities. Uh, uh, we kind of envied, for years we envied the people in California because, you know, they got up every morning, they could go out and work cows, they didn't have to worry about it being cold and miserable or rainy or anything else. And so back in 2008, that's when we went and did the right thing, building the cross vent barn where we have the best of all the world because you go in that barn and it's the environment for the, the people and the and the animals is really, really something that was probably one of the best things that we ever did was to the growth to keep up with the industry because uh, I don't know if we'd even be here right now without taking them taking the steps.
0: Yeah, yeah. And did you do anything wrong? Oh,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably, probably we, uh, maybe we were sometimes we were too cautious maybe. Uh, maybe that's what uh, some of the things uh, uh the caution or the timing or something we we expanded in 2008 and 2009 is when there was a drastic down downturn on the milk price and and everything else Um, a lot of farms were going uh going bankrupt and we just kind of slid in and and held our breath and come out of it the way we did here
0: okay okay well, Greg, I think uh, what we're gonna do is gonna take a quick break for a sponsored message, and then we'll come back and uh, sort of go over the, some of the succession that you've had, both from your uh, the generation above you and, and Jake's generation and so on, and then uh, we'll finish up here in a few minutes.
1: How many years away is the long run for a farmer? Five years? 10 years? Top producers like Han Reinchi, a blue diamond farming company in Jessup, Iowa, know Rabo Agri Finance shares his enduring vision for the future. Whether it's building our grain site, or if it's purchasing the next field, we're able to turn to Rabo as a trusted partner to help us get financing to make those generational decisions. With unmatched financial capacity, local relationship managers, and a global network of sector experts to offer market guidance, RoboAgri Finance provides enterprising farmers with a personalized approach to lending and financial services. Growing a better world together, RoboAgra Finance.
0: Welcome everyone back to the farm CPA podcast presented by top producer. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm Paul Neapri your host, and we're going to rejoin our conversation with Greg Mose up in South Dakota. So Greg, your farm family has been there for almost what? Almost 140 some years. Uh, I think you said, yeah, or almost years. Um, how did it get transferred from the generation above you down to you?
1: uh from my grandparents to my dad uh it was probably uh, the way it was always done and probably done uh, i don't know if much have been but it was always pretty much uh it was handed down to them you know they uh, they bought out sisters and brothers and everything else and but you know the home farm was a, it's always been handed down from each generation to the home quarter where the the main house and the main buildings and that's all handed down over the over the generations, from my great grandparents to my dad, and and even to us, uh, to my brother and myself that are left here on the farm, out of us, um, that home quarter was gifted or given to us at their time of their death. So uh, that's what we hope to transpire in the next transitioning over is that we, you know, we our great grandparents and our parents grew this thing to what it was, and then it was transferred to us by more with gifting. And that's what we're trying to do with the next generation down with our uh, son Jacob and, and, and our grandkids is that they'll be mostly be somehow or another gifting because if we have this facility and farm and everything running and everybody says, well, you got to buy it out or you know have them buy it out and everything else. Well, when you do that, all you're doing is taking from one pot to get to the next pot. So yeah. why not, as long as you're comfortable and having good living and, and you can survive and go, then why not start? That's what the process that we're doing now is trying to do a, a, a as much gifting as we can into the next generations. And uh, and that's, that's what we're hoping to, that's what our mindset is to uh, be gifting it as long as we're comfortable and we have enough to live on. We're not going to be Building million-dollar homes or all that other stuff, but I mean, do we? Uh, as long as we have it here for the next generations, I don't think it has to be that way.
0: Well, and I think I think a million-dollar home in your area is about a five-million-dollar home where I live, so uh, <laughs> it's it's, yeah. it's a little bit different.
1: Yeah, yeah, and see, that's the thing that we're working with the company right now to for transitioning, and and we started the transitioning. Way back, uh, probably in in uh, had to be back in 2006 or 8, and we had it all in place. And then uh, uh, and it was working the way we thought it would. And my uh, my brother had a son, another son, come uh, into the operation with us too. And and but in the last uh, four to five years now, my brother's son uh, uh, Matthew he left the farm and. And pursue other things, and then uh, my son Scott passed away in a, in a pickup accident. So we've had to go back, and what we had in place then worked yeah. for what we had it set up for. It worked on what we had through the plans and everything else at work. But now we have to relook at all this because everything's come back as a unit again, and my son Jacob, and and everything. And and the more we look at this, and with the and for transitioning everything, there's a there's a, a lot here to to keep running. Yeah. So with you know we've uh, we've had some meetings with some of our extended families and and even uh, the extended families. I to say extended families, our own families, but then the people, some of the families that are uh, that are working here with us that uh, maybe it's time that we start moving to the point where they've been here long enough and they're doing such uh, so much of the everything to make the manager and make this farm work that uh, we're actually probably gonna start transferring some stock and some shares into them.
0: Yeah, I think Greg, that's a trend that I'm really starting to see. I had a discussion with Lance Woodbury and he's seeing that trend too, is that that if you have good employees and you wanna keep them motivated and they're really the ones that are helping you succeed having some ownership and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, ownership that, you know, it's almost like more of a deferred comp plan where they get ownership. And then once they retire, that's sort of part of the retirement plan. I'm seeing more and more of that in the farm arena.
1: Yeah. Well, and then, you know, with the people that work here with us, uh, whether we created or we found the right people, their passion is to do the same as we're doing. The, yep. They want to do the the right things with the animals. They want to do the right things with the land. Everything that we can do to to push us ahead, it's just uh, it's unbelievable the uh, the passion they have for uh, it's the same as ours. So, so that's why we're looking at uh, moving uh, some of the ownership over to them. And then along with that too is all the 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 way the taxes are too. Uh, uh, you know with things as we look ahead in the future with the sunsetting of some of these inheritance taxes that uh, if we're going to give it to somebody else like with the government or anything else we might as well do it and give it to the people that are would really uh grow and and expand with it with it here
0: yeah no to- totally agree do you use any h2a workers or is it all local workers
1: uh, local, but we, we are starting now with, uh, for the last three or four years now, we're getting H2A uh, with the people we have here on the farm. Uh, they have connections and we bring up, uh, uh, the people we bring up here to help us during the summer harvesting and, and things that, uh, we're bringing up here. They're just awesome because they're farmers in, in Mexico and other places. So they know just what they need to do and how to do it. So it's yep. really been beneficial with that to. Uh, to bring them up I just we just wish that there was some way that we could make this all this processes easier because you know these people have just like we are there's a tremendous amount of families and yeah why should it have to be so difficult to get this process all done
0: It it is a lot of paperwork I, I can definitely uh, share your pain on that so uh, um, well you have a very good farm operation here. I can definitely see why you're a, a top producer of the year candidate. Uh, actually, for the people listening to this, we probably have found out by now who who the winner is, but uh, uh, all, all of you that are uh, part of that process are definitely winners. I would definitely echo that.
1: Yeah, you know, somebody asked me if it felt special that you were a top candidate and I said, well, oh, this is just everyday stuff here. There's- uh, the specialty is that the, the people around us, that's what I uh, really, really enjoy is the every morning when you get up, that's what you enjoy is to go and, and be around the people because there's uh, such a wealth uh, of what they know and, and their passions.
0: Okay, well, we're getting close to the end of the uh, conversation here and I do have three or four questions I typically try to ask. So the first one. Um, who is your mentor is there a person that you really feel like they they helped you along in the process at the beginning <laughs>
1: yeah I don't know if it's the beginning or a start or ongoing but it, it's pretty much my brother Jim okay. Yeah. okay he is I don't know how he does it but he has a uh, the idea that he can fix make whether if he can't fix it he knows who can fix it and how to do it how to get a hold of him uh he knows how to uh did make something that looks like a disaster. He knows uh, how we can uh, we can put it together. You know, he was here when with my sons and everything. When they passed, he was here for support that way. And yeah, it's just yeah, one of the people that uh, you know. I don't know how. You know, just you rely on them and 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 uh, just the thoughts and everything all the time.
0: Okay. Okay. And then. I know dairy can be sort of a 24/7, 365 uh, type operation, but do you have a hobby outside of the of the farm operation?
1: Yeah, it's just uh, pretty much. Uh, I've got grandkids that live in Charlotte, North uh, South uh, North Carolina, and then um, you know other hobbies are are just working with uh, going to seminars, going to and visit other dairy farms. I don't know if it's a hobby or not, but I just enjoy going and uh, going on a vacation and finding out if there's dairy farms around and going and touring them and uh, doing a lot with you know with our the hobby would be uh, with the schools here we do programs with the schools that going in and giving uh a presentation that we even get as far as down in charlotte north carolina give uh, presentations in them schools down there for the kids
0: okay okay and then, what, what keeps you up at night? <laughs>
1: the, the one thing that we keep going over with all the time and everything is, sure, the farm's been here for one hundred and thirty years, but uh, what do we need to new do in the next five, ten, or or one hundred years just so we keep going so we don't turn into a a boat and camper building? <laughs> uh, that's i mean, it, it, it's really hard to envision that when you see the. The new technology and and the farms that are coming in, uh, the the families that are coming in to run the farms and everything, uh, their uh, their knowledge of technology and everything. How do we, as our farm, uh, get up to keep up with that speed of that? And then uh, the big thing is sustainability. We hear that all the time in. in we're doing exercises with the Valley Queen, uh, the sustainability, you know, as far as on our beef operation, how can we uh, bring, uh, we're doing uh, different um, crosses on our dairy beef to see if that's supposed to be a healthier beef by doing a different cross. So there's just so much that uh, it just makes your, you know, you got to put together to make sure that the pieces are there if somebody wants to, to continue with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, keep that legacy going for the next generation of family, and it isn't necessarily your blood family. I mean, it could be the the families that are now, maybe their sons or daughters are going to get involved in the operation too.
1: Yeah, Yeah. we want Modak to to be here 100 years from now again, if, if that's possible, by setting the stage so that there will be something for somebody to do.
0: Okay, okay. And then, uh, finally, what's your definition of success in farming?
1: Uh, people. you know, just as if if we're successful and the people around you want to uh, come come here to work with us and and the, the neighborhood, the uh, the communities, uh, education, you know opportunities. If that's what it all comes down to is that we want to make sure that, uh, that when it's successful that everybody, We're all in the same. uh, We want to all be here. We don't want to have in be in a community where the people say, "Ah, we don't want to even do anything with that farm or or anything else." That's what the success is. That, and uh, you know, the people want to come and and see you every day too.
0: Yeah, no, that that's a good definition. I I think uh, uh, really the everything else, but the people is really the most important part.
1: Yeah. Everything else can uh, you can or do something with, but if you don't have the right people and the families that want to be here in a community uh, that supports and and you support all the community and everything else, uh, there why do it?
0: Yeah, yeah. well, um, Greg, we've come sort of to the end, but uh, I want to definitely leave time for you to add anything that you think we haven't covered, or, or if there's anything else you'd like to go over.
1: Yeah, no, it's just pretty much we got. Everything you know with, uh, you know, when we look at our farm and everybody says, well, why do you keep? Keep ex- doing things and and growing or whatever else and and I guess I go back to our our forefathers my great grandparents and and my parents and 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 uh, grandparents and everything is that if somebody didn't take that risk to keep this going, uh, that's why some of the farms don't they they fall apart or they don't keep going is because somebody has to take a, a risk somewhere along the line so they have a place for the next generation to take over and I guess that's the big thing that we look at is if we can keep this going and because somebody took a risk they took a risk to move to South Dakota they took a risk to to move in a couple of line shacks pushed together and and uh, put all the kids in it and, and that many kids and, and farm. And, and we were all, we're all healthy and happy and, and nobody's in jail and everything else. So <laughs> that's, that's the thing that somebody has to take that risk all the way along the line here. And you look back at, you know, somebody, whoever did that to keep us yeah. going.
0: Well, it's like the old saying, if, if you're not growing, you're dying. So, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep that, uh, now it doesn't mean you have to necessarily grow acres or whatever. There's other ways of growing, which you've definitely done that with the expansion into the beef and the other things that
1: you've done. Yeah, you can go sideways pretty easy, and and still uh, making making some pretty good progress. Uh, just making it better, uh, you know, for the the families of the people here too. That's that's the biggest thing. If you can make it so that they have a uh, they have the education or the growth as far as the knowledge and, and may it
0: sound financial too. And uh, Greg, uh, thank you very much. Uh, and uh, uh, we will, maybe we'll have another conversation in another year or so.
1: All right. You have, uh, thanks for the opportunity. You have a good
0: day there. Okay. Again, this is uh, Paul Nefer, your host for the Power and cpa podcast presented by Top Producer and we're signing off.